A bumbling grasshopper and a pretty bumblebee are in love, but a well-heeled beetle comes between them and this movie must die. This is the Steven Sperling Podcast Show program. You're listening to This Movie Must Die. I'm Steven Sperling. I'm Aaron Paris. And I'm Josh Sperling. The last time the three of us were together, we reviewed Alice in Wonderland from 1933. Now we enter a different kind of wonderland full of humanized insects and a realistic city with true-to-life humans. Our movie is Mr. Bug Goes to Town from 1941, a.k.a. Hoppity Goes to Town, the second of two features from the Max Fleischer Cartoon Studios. The first was Gulliver's Travels from 1939. Both films made some money, but Paramount soon took over the studio, and Fleischer and company were destined never to produce a third one. Before we start, tell me, if you were in charge, would you have named one of the human characters Dick Dickens? Not unless they were in adult entertainment. (laughs) And I thought this wasn't really intended to be adult entertainment. Did you? No. No. It was like somebody got drunk, you know, at the very last minute. was like, we need a name. We need a name. And, you know, that's what they came up with. Right, yeah. The the, uh, studio head came uh, stumbling out of the bar and he was like, let's call him Dick. Dick Dickens. And that's what they went with. That's exactly what they went with. And uh, this character goes on, and we're going to spoil this, by the way, folks. This character goes on to become a big, successful songwriter, presumably under that name, Dick Dickens. Uh, Now, I don't recall any big songwriter named that Dick Dickens, so I don't think he really did. I think that's fake. I think they made that part up about Dick Dickens becoming a big a successful songwriter. Oh, okay, Stephen, I, I, I'm going to tell you this again. Cartoons aren't real. I keep forgetting that. In, I in know. Fact, you know, I, I chose this one. This is our first animated film. Uh, the first animated film for the three of us. And I wanted to remember this time that cartoons are not real. This was difficult, actually, because of all the realism within it. And I'm not even joking. There was a lot of realism paired with very unrealism. So we'll talk about that. So Aaron, why don't we talk about your loves for Mr. Bug Goes to Town? Well, my first one is pretty easy. I love how the dad respects the daughter and her choice. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure you knew that was going to come off uh, off the bat with that one. Um, Do you want to explain that a little bit? You, you know, I, you know, you've got the the, the bad villain, right? Yes. Who who just beetle. with the beetle? Yes, he's a beetle with a top hat. You know, he just loves the honeybee dad's daughter because she's yes. the only hot one in the whole town. Yes, and, you know, and he's like, "Hey, want to come live uptown with me? I got a lot of money, but I want your daughter." And the dad is like, "No." Yep. It's up to her. And and I just think that especially, you know, this is an, an older movie where, you know, that maybe wasn't quite as prevalent of a of a, of a choice and thought process when it came to uh, women getting married. 
When we see this type of plot, we usually see the opposite. It's the parents, like in Romeo and Juliet. The parents, mm-hmm. especially the father, says, you've got to marry this person. Uh, but it's the opposite here. She even tells the father, who doesn't want her to marry the beetle, hey, mm-hmm. we have to do this. We have no other choice. Uh, right. We're going to be in the poorhouse otherwise. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting, too, that they made her father more on the older side. To me, I would have thought he was a grandfather, the way oh, they right. had him right. depicted especially compared to her age, which you assume is, you know, in their very early 20s, you know, just how they act and, and talk and, and all yeah, that Yeah, and they're stuff. so humanized that I figure that they're, they pretty much have the same human age span because real bumblebees, yes. I don't know anything about insects, but real bumblebees probably only last like six months or a year or whatever. But I assume that she's, you know, 18, 20, and, and he's, he must have had her late in life. Uh, we don't ever hear about her mother, but. You get the impression she's passed away. Right. You know, really, their financial security is in is in her hands. Yes. And he says she'll make the right decision. I want her to be happy. And I don't know. I mean, even today, sometimes women are really pushed to marry well. And by that, I mean, financially, it doesn't matter how they're treated. So, yeah, I liked that that this took that uh, view of things. He was a very likable character. We we kind of felt for him, especially when we found out he had a gimpy wing. I know. That was so sad. Yeah. Yeah. But it all turned out well for him. Again, audience, I'm spoiling it, but Mr. Bumble does not die. No, he doesn't. As much as we wanted him to. No, we didn't want oh, we him. Didn't, we didn't want him to, right? No, other characters could have died before him. So any more love for Mr. Bug, a.k.a. Hoppity? Oh, you want me to talk about Hoppity now? Oh, well, not necessarily. I meant uh, I meant that I was referring to the title. But yeah, if you if you want to talk about Hoppity himself, go ahead. I wasn't going to, but I can now. Um, <laughs> one of the things I liked about his character uh, compared to how uh, heroes are today, he was very much he was kind of goofy and slender. And he really felt that the best way to win is to stick together, work as a team, you know, be positive, no pun in- intended with the B there. And um, <laughs> be positive. I know. get it. I get it. Just and, like my blood type. But now you look at any movie now and the heroes today, that's not their focus. They want to be able to beat people up and carry the damsel with you know, one arm and it, you know, it's just a totally different mentality of what constitutes a hero and, and a leader. Well, a, a bug's life. And I assume you, you are including that in modern things, even though it's, it's not extremely new also has a very similar character uh, that uh, he's not as strong and mighty as the, the villain, but it's he, they win the day by sticking together and that's how he, saves the village, saves the girl, what have you. Yeah, I think we need more of this and less working out and um, protein powder shakes. I I think we need more of this little grasshopper guy in in society. Yeah, we see this in older comedies where the hero is Red Skelton or, or somebody like that who's kind of a bumbler and he has to prove himself to the girl. Yeah, I'm not sure what we see in today's stuff. Uh, w- whenever I watch something modern, it's usually TV instead of a, 
movie. And in fact, now, you know, right before COVID, I don't know what we were getting besides superheroes and how many new movies did we get this year was, uh, you know, nine or something. Are, uh, are there any other movies besides superheroes? Now? Not any good ones. I guess you're right. I, I love superhero I movies. Yeah, I don't think there is. There's Wonder Woman 1984 came out this year. So I did not see that. I, that looks terrible. I just can't do it. What is it? Wonder Woman 1984? Yeah, yeah that's I, what it's called. That's what okay. it's called. I see. I I was going by the uh, theater the other day and saw that up on the marquee, and because you know, since co- like you know during COVID, they were showing when they when they did open up, you know, socially distancing, they um, were showing old movies. I mean, not old, but not you yeah, know. like Back to the Future yeah, yeah. and like yeah, stuff from the eighties, classics and you know different things. So yeah, so when I saw Wonder Woman, so then when when they started showing new movies again, it was like half and half. So they were still showing some older movies. And, and anyway, the point is, I saw Wonder Woman 1984, and I thought they were telling us this was the 1984 Wonder Woman, not the more recent <laughs> Wonder Woman. No, babe. Uh, hey, Stephen, well, did, did you know our local theater uh, during COVID, and this was a really strange idea. I know this is off track, but they had their concession stand open without showing movies like they advertised you can come in here and buy $80 popcorn. And I'm like, I, I think it's, it's sad that a a local like company had to go through that as a whole, but I'm like, Oh my God, that's what you, that's what it came down to. That was their last ditch effort. Yeah. People don't even like to buy the concessions when, when they go to see the movie, they'll smuggle it in. Who's going to go there without watching the movie and buy overpriced snacks. Unless you're just trying to support your local theater, knowing that if you don't do this, it's likely they're going to go under and we'll have no theater. Maybe I could just donate though. I think I'd rather just donate. But they surely they could have shown something, or was that the whole point? They they couldn't have any. They couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, they couldn't uh, open at all. It was during that time. Then they did open socially distancing, and they were showing older movies. Oh my gosh, that's awful. Okay, so let's let's definitely go back to 1941. I don't want to. I don't want to think about this anymore. You did bring up uh, Bugs Life, and we'll have to. Uh, that was inevitable that we talk about that. I just wanted to ask real quick. I saw Bugs Life, which I really enjoyed. I've never seen Ants. Did uh, didn't that movie also have some kind of hero that was sort of a dweeb? Yeah, a Woody Allen character, literally a Woody Allen character. It was voiced right, by right, Allen. right. Yeah, see, I don't think I've seen either one of those. No. Somehow in the back of my mind, I feel like I did some sort of theater thing with A Bug's Life. It was like a ride, and then they like filled it with smells and stuff and like the stink really? bug was like ungodly oh, and I, no. but but that memory is very very wonky so I don't know if it's true or not. Oh boy. Not- My, that sounds like a dream you might have had. <laughs> I have a lot. So like, do you have so, any more do you have any more love though? Yeah, cuz cuz I really only had one that was on my list so far, but the other one was I really liked the creativity of how they they showed the bugs using everyday objects. They shrunk down for them. Like a compact was a bed. Yes. A tin can was a house. But it wasn't just like tin can house, this or that. You know, they really went out of their way to be creative with how these bugs were utilizing the things discarded by people to to just function in their day-to-day life. And I, I think, you know, there's definitely an underlying social commentary 
there. That kind of, you know, one person's trash is somebody else's treasure. Yes, I didn't think about that. I do think that Fleischer Studios, especially Max Fleischer himself, uh, was very good at at that kind of gag or that kind of use of things. Uh, I'm thinking of Grampy, uh, who appeared in some of the later Betty Boop cartoons. He was a grandpa who would take everyday objects and turn them into toys or turn them into other things that were useful to people. For some reason, Fleischer Studios is really good at that. And that was probably because the head of it was mechanically minded. And we'll get into that, especially how the humans were created. Any more love for Mr. Bug Goes to Town? You know, the last thing that I I had, um, I made a note here that uh, a safe environment is the most important thing. And, and I really thought that, you know, that was really driven home, but in a in a good way in the movie Um, that it was more important than money. It was more important of where you live didn't matter, but how you lived was the key and important thing and what people will do to, to go through, to, to get to just a level of peace and happiness um, that others take for granted. I really felt the the bugs pain as far as living in some vulnerable place and they had no power you know they're they're living in a world with gigantic humans who are running everything and they had no means of of fixing that fence folks there was a a fence broken and that let people just come come through their little world uh, where were were they in a park? Would you say or or? Well, well, the one lady called it the lower garden um, okay. at one point, and that's another thing. If I can just say one thing, yeah, um, please do. That I thought was really interesting. It reminded me of like Charlie Brown, where the focus really was on the bugs, and for a majority of the time, you only saw people's feet or you heard their voices kind of off camera. Yes. And yeah. and I liked it. Occasionally you did see like, like, you know, a full person, but I liked how they really focused on the bugs and made them real, so to speak, by doing that. And that was unprecedented at the time, as far as I know. Maybe Disney did some uh, bug stories in his short films and the Silly Symphonies, but that was quite a gamble, I think. Uh, using bugs as the main character. And as far as I know, it wasn't done again until A Bug's Life and Ants, which both came out the same year. And I thought they did a really good job at that. I'll definitely have some criticisms of this film, but I thought they did a really good job of humanizing the characters and having us accept them as characters that we care about. Yes. So that sounds like all of the love uh, Mm -hmm. for that, which is uh, pretty good. A lot more love uh, for this one than uh, some of the others we've had before. Uh, Josh, (laughs) uh, I'd like to hear your loves for Mr. Bug Goes to Town. Move over, Aaron. Here comes my love. Here comes his love. Oh, he's got some. Oh, God. (laughs) Hold on, Stephen. I have to go get sick. (laughs) So um, I thought she married you for love. Was it for a different reason? It's for money, uh, it, definitely. It, it certainly wasn't for money. <laughs> it's because he's so cute. Oh, like a bug in a rug. Uh, t- uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's it's easy to find love in a movie 
when you're not picking really awful movies for us to watch. And for that, I thank you. I don't know how interesting these podcasts will be when we don't hate the movie quite so much, but but at least we'll be able to gush a little bit. So well, uh, enjoy it while you can. I was like, we haven't got to <laughs> I know, yet. I, I know, got a list. I <laughs> no, I thought, I know. I thought you meant uh, because the, whatever was coming next. Yeah, that's, that is what I meant. <laughs> no, I mean, I have some criticisms too, obviously, but um, uh, I, I really like the animation. Um, we touched a little bit on um, Aaron said about how they portray the humans. And I really like how they did that in animation. They're just sort of the, these huge, dark, shadowy figures, then they were faceless. And, and, you know, I, I, you really feel like there's just these towering bullies. Uh, I mean, not obviously not deliberately bullying them, right. but that, you know, the, these bugs have no control over their own life. And, and these godlike figures come through and just, you know, smash everything. And I, I thought that was really interesting how, how they were portrayed. Um, smash everything and, and throw cigarettes at them without. Yeah, like, what I mean, is that? Yeah, smoking cigars. They, they and they weren't even deliberately doing it. They just didn't. You know, right. obviously they didn't care about bugs. Right. We should all care about bugs. I'm going to stop throwing my cigars at bugs. <laughs> Josh, I've been begging you for years, and so I finally showed you this movie so that you'll get a clue. <laughs> oh, is that what it's all about? You, I knew it. You I knew there was a motivation behind showing me a decent movie. You cannot afford cigars. <laughs> Don't be telling people you can afford such a luxury. You cannot. Were there those um, bubblegum cigars? Candy cigarettes? Yeah, those two. What about those? What? What? Are they, they don't call them slim gyms. That's jerky. The, those. Those. those slim gym. Slim gym. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway, we're old. So, <laughs> yeah, and 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 other things about the animation too. Um, they, there's some interesting. Uh, it, it would be an interesting shot, you know, if we were talking about camera work, like where the. They're in a, a a club, and the doorman uh, throws out SWAT and Smack, who are the fly and the um, mosquito who are working for Mister Beetle. Um, and we see the the point of view of of the two henchmen being thrown out, thump 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 being yes. thrown. Out. I thought that was interesting. And yes. and when um, Hoppity gets electrocuted, it's <laughs> this interesting shot of you know um, uh, uh, how how they make it black with him all in 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 lighting up. And I thought that was really interesting how they yes. how they did that. And again, Fleischer did this sort of thing very well. I'm talking about the studio, not just Max Fleischer himself. Another thing. Um, I like, and, and we talked about Bugs Life, which is the most obvious where you can see the influence. I, I assume they were influenced by this. I would think um, so. Yeah, I would I would certainly think so. And, and, and just the way that Pixar approaches everything, where they create these little believable worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, what would it be like if these things, bugs or uh, monsters or whatever, were real and were anthropomorphized? What would their world be like? And I, I didn't, and I think that's you know really the mindset that they had um, when they were making this. What what sort of like Aaron said, you know, what would they use as a bed? What would they use as this? You know, if if they really were anthropomorphized bugs living this world. So yeah, I I, I think that's really interesting and and. Um, Another thing that it reminds me of, well, to 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 touch on the 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 preachiness of it, because a lot of the moral is uh, a sort of ecology 
thing, you know, about not destroying the bug's life. But it's not heavy-handed. It's not like I was thinking um, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, how heavy-handed. I'm sorry. Are you talking about the preachiness of this film or Bug's Life? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm back to this one where I was just talking about the, the preachiness in general, how it's not preachy. I didn't right, feel right. any sort of preachiness from this, which I really like. I mean, the message is there, you know, that these bugs are, are struggling to live in our world and we don't give a thought to what we're doing to them, but they don't make us feel like, how dare we treat bugs this way? Look at what they're trying to do. They're trying to, you know, marry each other and have these great lives and, you know, so I, I, I'm glad it wasn't treated that way. Whereas decades later with Fern Gully, if you've seen that. Or Birdemic. <laughs> no, because that message is so uh, cluttered with bizarreness. And, you know, I mean, do, do we really feel bad about what we're doing to the environment because we're afraid that birds are going to poop bombs at us? I mean. It's a thing that could happen, people. <laughs> yeah, there's no character that comes into Mr. Bug Goes to Town and, and gives us a little speech about. What exactly did he give us? All I know is he ran away from the mountain lion at the end of the scene, but I, he gave some kind of preachy speech about ecology. Yeah, the guy with the nutty wig. Yes. He's like, look at what we're doing to the environment. Because of global warming, there are uh, birds now who will poop bombs at you. But I think back to more serious is, is it is nice that, you know, they at least recognized at that point or thought we were smart enough as a viewing audience to get the message without having to shove our nose in it. Yeah. But we didn't get the message, obviously. Well, the closest thing to preachiness True. was uh, there There was a hint that we're supposed to be feel really patriotic towards the postman. Did you get that? No. No. You didn't get that? Oh, because the, the, the gesture he makes at the postman when he sees him. And the music that accompanies, the sort of patriotic music that accompanies the postman. Oh, I did not make that connection. But I'm suddenly patriotic now. Finally, the, what was that movie called? Uh, Not Slap Happy Daffy. Oh, was that the name of it? Scrap Happy Daffy. Scrap Happy Daffy, yes. Uh, Folks, uh, just really briefly, we reviewed Scrap Happy Daffy in a recording that I have somehow ruined. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was our very first recording, a very first attempt to do this. But yeah, I, I I felt like there was supposed to be a little bit of patriotic feeling towards the government postman. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was, the, uh, folks. All all I have to say about that is that uh, the postman delivers a very very important letter to D- Dick Dixon or Dickerson. Dick Dickerson. Dickie Dickerson. So maybe if they had shown Hitler as a as a horse's ass, they'd have somehow combined those two things. Maybe I'd have felt more patriotic toward the postman. But you didn't feel patriotic after seeing Hitler become a horse's ass and scrap Happy Daffy. Well, because there was no postman. Dick Dickens, not Dick Dickerson. Right. Dick Dickie Dickerson. Yes. Dickinson. No, Dickens. Like Dickinson. Charles Dickens. Like who? Charles Dickens. Oh, was he a football player? Read a Wikipedia page. <laughs> Who's read a Wikipedia page? Insert laugh track here. <laughs> Aaron, come on, back me up here. <laughs> You're missing your cue. Sorry, Stephen. Okay, now laugh, laugh. <laughs> See, there, <laughs> that was a good joke. That's anyway. 
<laughs> so yeah, my my point was that I, I didn't find it, you know, hammering this this message on us. It it felt more like another movie. It reminds me of is uh, Watership Down. They aren't quite so anthropomorphized. They're very buddy like. They do what rabbits actually can do for the most right. part. Um, they just have human voices and thoughts, um, but they don't wear clothing or anything like that. And, and Watership Down is a much darker, darker film. But it reminded me in the sense that, yes, there's an, an ecological message there, but it is more like this is the way it, this is just how their life is. This, these are the struggles that they have in, in their life. They're not trying to walk you through the steps that you need to fix the life for, for rabbits or for bugs in this case. It's just like these are the sort of struggles that they would have. Yes. Yeah. And I think, too, the fact that, at least in this movie, that it's okay to have faith that not everybody is the same. That yeah, just because, that yeah, one group of people are, you know, similar or treating you badly doesn't mean they all are that way. Yeah, the the bugs notice that the lady, the the lady that lives near them, I think I think they live near this this lady and this uh, songwriter. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they they find their way into her garden and they discover that she welcomes a bee into her garden and presumably all the other bugs too. So they want to move into the garden. That's part of the plot. But anyway, they meet this lady who saves them from a watering can and puts them out into the garden or puts one of them out into the garden, the old man, Bumblebee. Mr. Bumble to you. Yes. Mr. Bumble to me. Only I have to call Mr. Bumble. Yes. All right. Well, she puts Mr. Bumble very gently into the garden where he belongs. and, And they think, Oh, well, not all, not all these human things are the same. But it backfired because obviously it was a trap. She was like, oh, there you go, Mr. Bumble. Go bring all your friends. Go get all your friends and bring them to our garden. And then she tried to drown them. No, it does. It was a trap. No, it was. That's how humans are. It was a mistake. It was a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And that also that also teaches you that sometimes it's okay to give people a second chance. Right. Yeah. Just like Hitler. It was all a misunderstanding. Oh, we should give him Jesus. a second chance. It's always with it's always back to Hitler with you, Josh. And horses' asses. My oh, do you have any more love for Mr. Bug goes to town? I have depleted my love. Okay, here's my love. Most of these films that I'm bringing forth are films that I had not heard of. Uh, This one I have heard of for decades. I read about it in Leonard Moulton's book of Mice and Magic. And his opinion was pretty much the consensus was that this was uh, a really good attempt by Fleischer, but they just weren't Disney. They, They weren't really equipped to do a feature film that was on par with Disney. And so it has the reputation as second rate Disney, uh, same as Gulliver's travels, which was Fleischer's earlier effort. But I, this is the first time that I even looked at a clip from the movie. And I was just astonished at the very first on how good it looked. And I thought, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so much better than I thought. And yeah, it may have been second rate Disney in 41 when there were only three, I think, Disney features out uh, or had been out. Uh, Gulliver's Travels uh, came out after Snow White and before Pinocchio. So that was 
that was the only thing you could compare uh, Gulliver's Travels to with Snow White. The other features that are technically animated features don't really count. I mean, no one really, no one really remembered that. That what what's? Do you remember the name of that silent film we saw? It was a beautiful film with the cutouts and the uh, Prince Ali or something like that. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? The shut. I'm sure you saw it. Silent I, film. I don't remember. Yeah, there are things like that were preceded Snow White, but for all intents and purposes, Snow White was the first animated feature. Mm-hmm. And for all intents and purposes, Gulliver was second. Then there was Pinocchio, Dumbo, and then Mr. Hoppity, Mr. Bug Goes to Town. And uh, and yeah, it might have looked like second-rate Disney compared to those other films, but now we're comparing it to a whole heap of mainly garbage with some treasures on the top. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a real treasure. It didn't turn out to be that, but all the way through, I just really admired the animation, mm-hmm. special effects. Fleischer, Fleischer, ha- oh, uh, hey, Mew, I hear you. <laughs> she doesn't have her headphones on. She can't hear you. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll try to talk to her later then. Uh, Fleischer uh, did this thing, uh, this tabletop animation thing that he uh, pioneered where the characters, uh, the, the, the animation cells were set on a steel frame uh, in front of a real background, uh, a real uh, models of, uh, of a cave filled with treasure or a real town with houses, real houses. And it, it was, had really an astonishing effect. You didn't see any of that in here unless I missed it. Uh, but this time they seem to have used real props. I think that compact that the beetle was sleeping in was real. Really? What? I think that was a real prop. It looked like a real prop to me. You're crazy. Hmm. They did things like that. Uh, not quite like that, though. It's not like they had real props within more or less an animated uh, feature. Sometimes sometimes they blended the models so well, though, that you couldn't even tell they were models. So so Mr. Beetle might well have been living in a, a, a house that was not drawn, that was just a, a model. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that compact looked very real to me. And there was something astonishing, too, about the inside of the watering can. And I suspected that they were putting Hoppity and Mr. Bumble uh, inside a real watering can. Uh, there was something it was it, it must have been a fairly simple effect to have them inside of a you know, just a, a steel can. It, w- mm-hmm. it wasn't that big of a deal, but there's there's just something slightly too realistic about it. I don't want to say too realistic because it looked really good, but yeah. I, I, I was just astonished all the way through uh, the, with with the animation and with the special effects. You pointed out the, the weird um, stuff that they did when uh, Hoppity got uh, electrified and the climax with the construction site is just really amazing as far as the animation goes. So, mm-hmm. so that's my, my first love. I, I did like uh, the two henchmen swat the fly and max the mosquito, especially swat the fly. I thought they were uh, pretty good characters. The, the characters were likable. Um, I guess as far as just pure likability, I might've liked Mr. Bumble 
the best, but this this film was still lacking in characterization, and we'll get to that when we when we talk about the hates. At least those henchmen um, with their gangster stereotypes were far less annoying than the kids from uh, Prairie Moon. Yes, yes, yes and. I, I think they're far, far less annoying than the comedy relief in Gulliver's Travels. Uh, I hope we can review that one someday, too. And I, I, uh, I think you'll agree with me that, that the mosquito and the fly were, were far better. Uh, they, they weren't great characters, and they certainly didn't come up to the level of the uh, great Disney supporting characters. But again, I like them. Yeah, and, me too. They, they made me laugh a little bit. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, one surprising gag to me was when they were standing on either side of the battery and they shook the hands of Mr. Beetle. And I wasn't I, I didn't see it coming that they were standing on the exact points of the battery where they would have caused an electric shock. And so I laughed at that. Mm-hmm. And there were yeah, there were a few other things that I actually laughed at. They definitely weren't annoying, uh, which sometimes uh, in animated features more modern than back then. Uh, but sometimes uh, that's a relief when you're when you're not being annoyed or comedies back then. Really, the live action comedies, as as we've already seen, have some really obnoxious comedy relief in them. Yeah, fortunately, there was no Roy Schneider back then. Roy Schneider. Isn't that his name? Roy Scheider? No, I think I'm thinking of the wrong person. I think you're crazy. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm linking the person with the wrong name, is what I mean to say. Are you thinking of one of the characters in the first two films that we reviewed? No. Oh, okay. I, 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 I'm struggling now to remember the name that I was actually thinking of. Sometimes I do that. I say uh, a person's name when I'm thinking of another person and they have nothing to do with each other. And that's why he just calls me babe. It's just safer. Yeah, it's better that way. Mm-hmm. Just go call her Schneider. You aren't thinking of Schneider from one day at a time, are you? <laughs> no, he's hilarious. Okay. And you're not thinking of Roy Schneider, the star of Jaws? No, 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 no. Because I don't think he was really the comedy relief in that. No, of course the the shark was. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm, I, I was going to say. And, and not annoying either. That shark was not annoying at all. Uh, so, yeah, I did like the battery gag. So let's go on to hate. Hate. Uh, I love hate. Oh, she loves the hate. She, we're going to get canceled because you're not supposed to hate now. But uh, go ahead. Let Tell us about your hate for Mr. Bug Goes to Town. That's your hate for So the very first thing that I wrote down, I put stars around it, was basically <laughs> snowflakes need not apply. If things like cultural appropriation offend you, don't even turn this movie on. <laughs> just, 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 just move on. Watch a nice superhero movie. Kick back and enjoy. But this, they literally covered almost every stereotype <laughs> on they the list. list I think. They did. They had a offensive checklist, and they <laughs> yeah. made sure that. So here you've got this movie that's really sweet and kind, and talks about working together and this and this and. So I think it made these in today's light, viewing it from today, these culture appropriation and racist things kind of jarring. You were flipping along and you're like, ooh, fun, freedom, joy. That was one of their little songs. And the next thing you're like, <laughs> making fun of Chinese people. What the holy hell am I watching? <laughs> that was so, that was the most bizarre of all of them. I, yes. I, that I, one came out of nowhere. So, yeah. Yes. So, smacked it, you in the face. So, it really was 
just and I realize I realize before Stephen goes into his tirade. <laughs> I, I realize we're all, bracing I, we're all bracing ourselves. I've got snacks that I can eat while he yells at me. Um, <laughs> you know, I realize that and I agree that we cannot watch things in the past through the filter of today, except for understanding that we don't want to behave that way anymore. That is really the only filter that we should be watching historical type things through is to form our future behavior. It it doesn't make this any more, like I said, jarring. And I think that was my, that was just one of my, I mean, the whole thing, I hated the whole thing. And that at one point, this was uh, humor for us, (laughs) but, but it was, And I think we need to acknowledge, okay, that was humor then, but we're not going to treat people that way anymore moving forward. So that's where I'm going with that. It's just kind of a blanket warning to people if they're interested in watching this and those things bother them. This is this is not for them. We should tell the audience that there is a blackface gag. This is what I remember. I remember three, the blackface gag, the out of nowhere imitation of a Chinese person. Now, what have you got there? Rice, boss. Jingle. Rice. And an American Indian. As and well. an American Indian. I remember those three. There might have been more, but those are the three that, that I mean, came to me. And they crammed that into a movie that's like a little over an hour. Like, that's some serious effort to be offensive. (laughs) You know, know, and I think that, yeah, just not that I was surprised. It just it, it honestly didn't feel like it fit the context of the movie even in that time period, it just, it felt uh, forced and pushed in like they thought it was funny. So they're going to just shove this in here, whether it makes sense or not for their own sense of humor, I guess. Yeah, they, they definitely seemed unnecessary. They just seemed to be crammed in. It didn't have anything to do with the story. It was just a gag, but I'm sure at the time they treated these gags just like any of the other gags. It's our filter now that sees them as different. Yeah. And like I said, I, I'm surprised Stephen hasn't, you know, yelled at me yet and just told me to shut my mouth. It's, but it's coming. It's Wait coming. I know it's coming, but yeah, it, it just, I don't agree with those, that humor, but I don't agree with that humor moving forward. I think we need to learn from what we did and where we were at and just not do it again and just acknowledge it for what it was and, and be better moving forward. I guess, but I was really felt left out that they didn't have a gay stereotype in there. I felt really bad. Like they didn't, you didn't even care about get, me. You, you, you know, that didn't exist then. There weren't any gays back then. There weren't Stephen. any gay people. Oh, you forget. Don't you remember the Cherry Sisters? Who are the Cherry Sisters? What? The Cherry Sisters in She Done Them Wrong, a movie we reviewed not too long ago. Was that the one with the old grandma who thought she was hot? <laughs> yeah, that's how you described it. <laughs> don't, you, don't you remember that Mae West went through the prison and there were two guys in one cell and she referred to them as the Cherry Sisters? No. I didn't even make that connection. Are you kidding me? I didn't. I just, no, uh-uh. I, I can't believe that because I was surprised afterwards that none of us had mentioned that. I'd forgotten to mention that. Here I am trying to talk about socially relevant things, and he wants to talk about Mae West. He cannot. He can't stop thinking about let her. Let it go. Let her go, Stephen. <laughs> 
<laughs> and besides, um, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to move the plot along. I know. He's just sh- stunned. <laughs> so do you want me to, to go on, Stephen? Can I go on with my hate? Yes, go on with your hate. My hate. So I, I really found the whole. OK, so for the audience, one of the key factors or plot lines was this royalty check that, you know, Dick Dickerson and his wife were waiting for to save their garden and their property and all that. And they kept just barely missing the check. It just kept, and that got really old and really tired very quickly. <laughs> it, it's just, it's a very worn out gag. And I'm not even sure it, maybe it should be plot line and not gag. I don't think that was a gag, but, but what Ever, are you going to be all fancy with your movie terms? Oh, now? It wasn't really oh, a good gag. Lord. A gag is defined. I'm going to define you. Sorry um, for my sinful defining. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I just, I found that very tiresome and that was a I'm huge calling the check, the check thing. Did that, did that, tire you out the bugs were constantly referring to the check as the check thing yeah. I, no i thought that was good because um, they don't understand yeah what it is if they start talking about a check like they understand what the heck that is okay okay and, so you like that okay yeah more check thing more check thing more they, check they should have called it uh mr check thing goes to town <laughs> or mr bug looks for the check thing <laughs> you know uh, so yeah um and i guess that yeah, I'm looking at my list of hate and and it and it can be pretty significant. Right, but um, you can just take out all the things that mention me specifically. Oh, well then if that case Yeah, I'm hoping you will talk about the hate for the movie. Oh, there, she had a lot of hate because I was with her when she watched the movie, but a lot of it right. was not pertaining to the movie. You so. know, I, I guess I felt like there were a lot of it, two things it, it kind of go together. I felt a lot of the gags were formulaic like when he's getting in the you know, the bug is getting dressed for the wedding and you know and you got all that, you know, the corset popping and the, this and that, you know, it's just your very standard stuff. Yeah. And I really felt that this movie was a whole lot longer than it needed to be. And I think if they had cut out some of the the fluff and formulaic stuff, they would have had a much tighter movie at like 45 minutes that I think would have told the story in a more concise way. It would have held your attention a little bit better. And, and I think, you know, it just would have been, it would have been great. Yeah. I, I have something similar to say along those lines. Because I'm right. And you want to be like me. Yay. I'm right all the time. But um, anyway, so that's the end of my movie hate. Okay. Well, after I turn off the recording, we can get into your husband hate. Oh, you don't have that kind of time. You, okay. you should, you should charge her by the hour. Okay. All her therapists do. So, Josh, what do you hate about your wife? I, I mean, what do you hate about Mr. Bug Goes to Town? Is this entrapment? Are you trying to get me in trouble? I am. We're recording this. Mm-hmm. I have to legally tell you this. Well, first of all, I'd like to say the person I meant to say was Rob Schneider. Oh, um, so I, what? what, I, what? <laughs> of course. Why didn't that come to me? That's ridiculous. I don't know why I said Roy. I think I was mixing up Roy Scheider from jaws right but who is as funny as they get let me tell you you know i'll bet it was obvious to every single person in the audience who you were really talking about but i go to one day at a time from the 1970s (laughs) did you say audience (laughs) somebody listening to us what is somebody listening to us right now they will be listening to us 
And would my cat please stop scratching my yoga mat? I would appreciate that. Thank you. You should pick that up off the floor and quit being lazy. No, I'm using it as as uh, as something to for my feet because the floor is too hard. It's 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 under my feet right now. You could wear socks. Why are we talking about my yoga mat? I want to talk about Kate <laughs> for Mr. Bug Goes to Town. Okay, so anyway, here are the things that I hate about your yoga mat. No, no, Mr. Bug. Oh, Mr. Bug, right. Yes, yes. Um, I hate Rob Schneider. Okay. Um, okay. So anyway, now you can la- laugh at my belated reference to Rob Schneider. And okay, Rob well. Schneider. <laughs> oh. I don't even I'll, I'll, I'll add it in later. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, we touched on the, uh, the, the the stereotypes, which the the blackface gag specifically was I found bizarre. Uh, he he tries to there's there's a lot of build up to this too, where he um, wants to put out the fire of the cigar. Uh, a, a human uh, has uh, or a human one, as they call them, the human one has thrown out the cigar, and the uh, Mr. Beetle, the villain, um, knocks the cigar into the honey shop because his motive is to destroy the honey shop and then the dad will be forced to let him marry his daughter and blah 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 anyway um so there's this big build up to the gag the 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 cigars there it's got stuff on fire and uh hoppity uh goes to get uh some water and there's a car accident and he uh gets gasoline instead of water brings it back, throws it in on the cigar and it explodes in his face all for this, uh, this huge buildup just so that it can explode in his face. And he looks like uh, uh, a, a, a black, he's got black face, like a, like the old minstrel, minstrel, minstrel character. Yeah. But he does nothing with it. What does he say? All shucks or something like yeah. that. There's a huge buildup to what a lame joke, even if it weren't offensive to have blackface anymore, you know, uh, you know, he, he could have, you know, said, you know, it's a little boy, mammy or, or something, something like that. Something completely offensive. And now this will never end up on air. Yeah. You're going to have to yeah, find this. Well, and that's another reason I think that this, this is probably not more well-known because of these stereotypes that unfortunately for it, it probably doesn't now work for a lot of people because of the stereotypes, um, which is unfortunate for, for a movie like this, that it really dates it. Yeah. I, you know, and the fact that they would require a character to go through all of that shows that how funny they thought this was. And, right. Yeah. You know, and I just, that's interesting. I, I, you know, and I know I'm kind of not the primary opinion sitting at this table, but to make fun of another culture like that, you think it's that hilarious to be that way towards somebody else that you would do? I don't know. The whole thing just, it sits wrong with me. It really does. I know it's not supposed to. Now Steven's going to yell at me. There you go. You're not going to get one. Why poke you at the that? Have I ever yelled at you today? Today. While we're recording. Well, I didn't mean I just took over my husband's uh, time to talk. <laughs> no, but... and I don't mean it to sound like I'm complaining because it wasn't offensive enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand. I understand what you mean. Uh, since this is on my list too, the, the whole gasoline business, I'll save my comment for later. 
Yeah, my thought is even if it weren't offensive, it was it was a bad gag that went nowhere. Could that have really been that funny even at the time when it wasn't people didn't consider it so offensive? This may not be a popular opinion, especially to my wife. I know he's looking right at me. (laughs) (laughs) I like a little off color humor and not things that are just mean spirited and, you know, offensive but i like things that are sort of a little off color but i always feel like the humor has to justify it any 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 joke that is mean-spirited is never funny i think and um but in the right spirit some things could you could make a joke about something and i think it would land if if it's funny enough to justify what the 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 offense that it could possibly cause yes uh, South Park and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, they do far, far more offensive things than this, and they get away with it because it's funny. Uh, also, because they're making fun of the stereotyping as opposed to indulging in it, that's part of it too. But sometimes a comedian will just indulge in it, and he can get away with it if it's funny. And if it's not funny, then get your butt out of here, man. <laughs> yeah, cultural um, uh, depictions are a dangerous business. Yes, they are. Well, I think it's more, is it even necessary? Like, if you have to dip into that to make a joke, then you're not a good comedian and you need to get off the stage. If you have to go there to to just be mean in order to make what you think is funny, yeah, you need a different job because you need to be more creative than going back to a joke in the 40s that those people thought was funny, because it's not funny. You have, well, it, you have just ruined Andrew Dice's Clay career. <laughs> I think Andrew Dice Clay ruined his career. Oh, maybe he did. Maybe he did. He never should have had a career. That man was terrible. Oh, he's a terrible human being. Ouch. I'm not talking about you. You're not that famous. <laughs> Almost. Well, so, uh, maybe maybe now we're about e- we're about even. We we need to give Stephen a middle name like Dice. Stephen Dice Sperling. Oh, more hate and more hate. You have more hate. Oh, do I have more hate? Yeah, do I ever. So that yeah, that wasn't necessarily. And and really, I don't think any of these are, are necessarily hates. Uh, I didn't have a lot of hate for this movie, but some criticism. Uh, the, my main, my probably my only real complaint is that it really drags in Act Three. And I don't know about forty five minutes, but I do agree that it could have been much shorter. I would say maybe an hour. I think it could have made a good tight hour. It, it, it drags a lot in in um, in Act Three, and I know that's maybe I'm biased on this because I I find a lot of these sort of things drag in Act Three where it's supposed to be really exciting and and yeah the animation like you mentioned before is really good in that construction scene, but it was like I I just lost interest. There's just no plot at that point. It was like they're doing dangerous things, but of course we don't we we all know they're going to survive. So it's not like you're on the edge of your seat. Will they fall down this thing? Will they fall off of that? Of course we all know it's going to work out in the end for them. So it's basically just watching you know pointless near death. And I, I don't find that very interesting. And even much, much better films, I, I get a little drowsy during uh, that section of, of the film. They could at least killed off the villains. I mean, they had several opportunities, but they allowed them to live anyway. That, that would have given the film a little bit more weight, I think. Right. I don't know. Maybe bad people need second chances, too. Maybe so. But I think, uh, you know, a movie like Watership Down, again, you kill off uh, somebody early, and then you know there's the potential that 
the heroes could die. And I, yeah. I, I don't know. I always found that there's something to that of killing uh, a, a main character off early. Disney always gets criticized for killing off a parent or killing off somebody earlier in a film, but it gives the movie a lot of weight, a lot of emotional heft. Yeah. You know, I now t- I'm to yeah, the point happens. where if I uh, if I'm brave enough to pick a movie for Josh and I to watch, you know, I'm like, hey, you're going to love this. Somebody important dies like right away. And so that's how I know. <laughs> and I'm pretty consistent with that. If that happens, he likes the movie. So it's kind of a win. Yeah, like when when she showed me the uh, the um, documentary of Abraham Lincoln and and she insisted that somebody was going to die in this I didn't know who yet, but I knew someone was going to die, so I was in. I don't think this works because somebody died right away in Citizen Kane. Yeah, that's true. Who died? Citizen Kane. Yeah, who died? Kane. In yeah, Kane, the citizen, the guy who. Oh, is that the one that Abel killed him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, folks, he doesn't like Citizen Kane, so color all of your that. opinions of him based on that. Or or uh, the first book of the Bible. Do you have any more hates before we continue on? Uh, yeah, I've got one more. Um, and, and this isn't a criticism of the movie. Again, I, I had to reach for, you know, criticism because my my main concern was just that it, it drags uh, toward the end. And it, it's it's overly long, but it, more a criticism of of this tired old idea that we see and see. And we've seen since the beginning of film and before there was even film that bad guys always want to force the pretty girls to marry them. And I always found that bizarre. Really? Yes. I didn't have to force you. I only had to put a gun to your head. But I have no self-esteem. So. I never really understood why they want the pretty girls to marry them so badly. What do they get out of this other than saying, look at my wife. She's pretty. She hates my guts and she's plotting my murder. <laughs> but boy, is she pretty. Yeah, well, you I know that happens that in real sorry. life that, that wealthy, powerful people want to force women to marry them. Tell me. Tell me a name. Tell me who's done that. Uh, really? Weinstein. Eric Weinstein. Who? Not Mary, but they want them to be their Eric Weinstein. Not Eric Weinstein, you total. Oh, my God. Roy Schneider. <laughs> uh, Weinstein. What's his name? Oh, now, uh, now it's dropped out of my Nobody head. knows who, who you're talking about. Nobody it's knows like Harvey guy. Weinstein. Oh, oh, Harvey Weinstein. That guy. Um, but yeah, but. I don't, I guess maybe it's not even a criticism of film. Maybe it's just a criticism of the human race. Why do we want this? Uh, yeah, it's interesting you say that because I've always felt the same way. And I, I don't see it as a criticism of the film, but that's that's always exactly what I thought. What are you going to do with this person? I guess you're going to just force yourself on her every time you want her but what yeah Yeah, that's exactly the same way i love how i'm talking to two men that's the point (laughs) for these powerful jackasses that's like part of the thing yeah i think it is yeah but why do they even have to marry them then why don't they just force themselves on them occasionally because that would have been inappropriate in the 40s. Uh, because, yeah. be inappropriate, especially if Uggs didn't want to do that. You know, I mean, if you're married, then, you know, you got to lock down, right? Yeah, I guess I do. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. At, at least in um, Princess Bride, it made some some sense why he wants Buttercup to marry him, even though she loathes him. 
because she's pretty. No, because he had a plan in mind, and I don't want to tell anybody in case they haven't seen uh, Princess Bride. We can spoil this movie, but not other movies. I love Princess Bride, by the way. But he has a plan about why it doesn't matter what uh, uh, Buttercup thinks of him. I know. Right, and Josh, in a lot of plots that are like this, there is an ulterior motive besides just wanting the pretty girl. But in this case, yeah, Mr. Beetle gets absolutely nothing out of it except Mm -hmm. this pretty bumblebee. No, he gets to win and he gets control over her and the dad and most of the town. He already has control over everybody. The only thing he really wants is is the 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 pretty bee, and we know she's pretty because she has overly large eyes, yes. which we've been conditioned by evolution to find attractive. Oh, is that why you think I'm so pretty? No, so that's why we think babies are cute. <laughs> Except for the why ugly. Why did you marry ones. a baby then? Who says I haven't? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and you complain about the offensiveness of this cartoon. Right, but didn't I say if it's funny enough, it flies? <laughs> and see how funny that was? That's what I mean by a little bit off color. But it wasn't mean. I wasn't being mean to babies. I actually like babies. Every baby is offended right now. <laughs> Every single baby is like, I'm not marrying him. Steven, didn't you tell me that there were no babies listening to the podcast? As far as I know, there are no babies, but we can't control that. You're supposed to put a rating on there, baby free. I wish they did that for airplanes. <laughs> I want to sit in the baby free section. <laughs> they they tried that, but then uh, people thought they meant free baby, and uh, they shut that down real quick. Um, What's wrong, Aaron? Are their eyes not big enough for you? Babies smell bad, and they... Maybe if they had just one gigantic eye. Aaron, and they like, like cry all the time, and... I was never meant to be in charge of a baby, like biologically evolutionary. Like if every woman was like me, our race would like be gone by now. You have to tell everybody that there goes our babysitting service. Well, I'll try to stop whining so much in front of you, too. Maybe that'll help. Please. Oh, I got in trouble for sitting on the baby. Wah, wah. I know, right? You like that? Oh, my God. That's I thought funny. you were- I thought you might have accidentally really done that. I wasn't even, I didn't <laughs> hear the joke. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. All right, Steven, give us your hate so I can eat dinner. I'm hungry. Okay. These are legitimate criticisms. I would not say hates. I did not hate this film at all, but I did find the story dull. I found, I can't believe you guys didn't say this. I found the songs dull. Why didn't you say anything about the songs? I blocked them out. Oh, no, no, my, I, I didn't have, I didn't love or hate them. And that's why I didn't really mention them. Like, you know, Katie did, Katie didn't. Oh yeah. Thanks for putting that back in my head. <laughs> I hate you. That, because... that was a bad song. Who came to Sunday school with cherries on her lips? Katie did, Katie didn't, Katie did, 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 I see. I thought they were just bland, inoffensive things. And because you've been showing us crap like uh, Terror in Tiny Town and Prairie Moon, where we just have these god awful songs in our head in the in the uh, Mae West one, which I blocked out the name. Apparently, these songs are just so irritating. I can yodel for you. Would you like that? Stop it. Stop it. Stop I it. can do it. 
I think you I think you have a prejudice in favor of any animated film that has because if these songs had been in the live action film, you would have been you would have been crying to the moon about it. Uh well, one thing I think is I can accept that there are songs better in an animated feature. So I, I will admit that bias, but the songs specifically aren't nearly as irritating as the songs in any of those movies. I, I think they're just sort of bland, you know, uh, throwaway things. They're mildly cute sort of things. They didn't bother me, but I didn't like them either, but, but they're easy to overlook. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're going to sit there and buy the idea that the grasshopper talks, then I think, you know, you can also buy into the idea that people break into song just because. So, you know, you're already in that fantastic, fantastical kind of right. world. But, you know, I got a cowboy hanging out, yodeling on a horse, and I can't do that. Exactly. I think we've talked about this before, you know, comparing something like Wizard of Oz. If you're accepting this as reality, then you can accept that they just suddenly sing and everybody just happens to know all the words to this song they've just made up. Uh, about whatever's going on in their life at the time, but it's a lot harder to accept in something like West Side Story when they're trying to have a gang fight and suddenly they break into song and dance. Yeah, I mean, you're you're putting songs into fantasy and that's okay, such as Wizard of Oz, but if you're cramming songs into what's technically supposed to be reality, everyday life, that's just a big hit. Not, well, I mean, I've heard people in everyday life, I've heard them break out into song. I'm just saying, that's all I'm saying. Uh, but the songs, the songs were dull. Katie did, Katie didn't is, was slightly irritating. And the, oh boy, oh joy, we've got freedom. We've got hoi polloi or whatever they were saying was so, was a little bit aggressively bland. I we got fun. We got freedom. We got joy. Yeah, so I, I'm surprised. I'm I'm surprised in a way that you didn't uh, criticize the songs, but I knew that the fact that this was an animated feature would make a difference. So I guess maybe I I should not have been as surprised by that. I, I would just call them dull. I didn't hate them, uh, and the leads were dull. Hoppity like was almost halfway towards being uh, an interesting character, but he didn't quite make it. Uh, and the, the the little bumblebee girl was bland. There was nothing much to her. They were they were dull. Really? Yeah, you didn't you you didn't find the two leading romantic leads dull? No, I didn't. I found the bee pretty dull, but um, I you know I thought Hoppity was kind of a charming character. Mm-hmm. I thought he kind of almost was. Uh, he was halfway there. But he didn't quite make it. <laughs> He's, he was very Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see Jimmy Stewart voicing him. Yeah, yeah. I, I That's why I almost liked him was that he had that all shucks demeanor. Yeah. It just didn't it just didn't quite make it for me. And I, I, I think the story didn't support him. 
uh, was the main problem. I mean, they, they obviously, the writers obviously had a lot more love for the villain and the henchman because they gave them a lot of business to do. Yeah. And we didn't get to see too much of Hoppity. I wanted to mention that business uh, that you talked about regarding the uh, Hoppity's attempt to put out the fire. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that that was all leading up to a gag. I thought they just inserted a gag in there because they needed one at that point. My criticism with that whole sequence is that they could have gotten the story going right there and they didn't. And I can't believe they didn't. What what happens, folks, is that the uh, the Bumble's business is on fire. They're selling honey cakes and things like that. And the store, the store is on fire and Hoppity runs across the street to get a hat full of water. He steals the hat from the sea bagley beetle and he accidentally gets a hat full of gasoline instead. And he throw. I, I, I can't remember what happened that, that prevented him from blowing up the entire store but something did luckily it's it's because they pulled the while he was gone they pulled the cigar away from the store store. so when he threw the gasoline it just blew up in his face oh right right that that cigar was about to burn down the the store and the other bugs managed to get away well where i thought they were going with this is was i thought that hoppity was going to be responsible for destroying the store the whole town would have hated him. His girl would have mm-hmm. hated him. Everyone would have hated him. And that would have gotten the story moving right away. But they saved everybody being against Hoppity until later. So after that point, the story just meanders along until they until another crisis finally happens. I thought that was a wasted opportunity. I really don't think the whole business was there just so they could throw in that gag. I felt that they threw in that gag because they needed something there. But either way, I think the whole sequence was a wasted opportunity and a mistake. And I didn't really appreciate any, I don't don't really appreciate any sort of blackface gag unless it's always sunny in Philadelphia is doing it. (laughs) I don't appreciate that. I don't appreciate that. Yeah, I guess you're right. They could have, because it needed to be shorter anyway, they could have just moved the plot along and that probably would have been a better solution than just making a more offensive, blackface gag which was my solution <laughs> yes yes you don't care about the story at all so you <laughs> you thought the story dragged at the uh in, during the last third but i thought they just didn't get the film moving along quickly enough from the very beginning the flankster studios they were so good with uh drama like they were the ones doing those really dramatic superman cartoons and they were keeping them to six or seven minutes so they didn't they didn't have to make a feature-length story so the stories were really good in those cartoons and the effects were good and the drama was really good the dramatic angles and they had a lot of that in this film and in Gulliver's Travel, but they didn't, they just didn't do story or sentiment very well ever uh, in their short films uh, or this. And yeah, that's the, it was a shame, but I, I can't be too disappointed by this movie. It was, uh, there was so much good stuff in it that I liked it. Yeah, I did too. It was a good movie. Okay, so now we are going to decide whether to pardon this movie or condemn it. We're no longer going to be comparing our uh, current movie to an older one. I think this might be better. 
oh, but but my co-hosts are objecting and they might quit, but uh, I'll I'll find out. If you guys quit, I've got I've got Rob Schneider right right in the line to replace you. You'll be nowhere without Roy Scheider. He's dead, and I'm already been nowhere because of that. Yeah, what jerk. the hell? Didn't he get eaten by a shark or something? Oh my god! I step away for thirty seconds, and this is what I come back to. <laughs> you were you stepped away from my. All right. She took a nap. Now I know how you feel about me. Okay, folks, uh, we are going to pardon or condemn this movie. Now I vote to pardon it. Josh, what is your vote? I also want to pardon it. And what do you think of Mr. Bug Goes to Town? Aaron, do you pardon or condemn it? I pardon it. This movie will not die. It will live on and charm children and parents for ages and bugs with its offensive gags <laughs> hey uh, can i ask you a question before we go steven yes please do maybe you'll know the answer to this so we were we were discussing about the title mr bug goes to town which was kind of an odd choice we thought because you know he's not really addressed as mr bug he's hoppity why is right. why would he be mr bug he doesn't really go to town in any obvious way i mean they really live in town they live you know right there just in a sort of patch of grass in the city he doesn't really go anywhere unless he that's where he was at the beginning of the film when he is coming home maybe it it should be mr bug comes home from town i I don't know but uh we were wondering is that a reference to something else you know like mr smith goes to washington or something like that Yes, it was. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington was directed by Frank Capra. Capra. No, I love him. Capra, wow. No, I love him. He did It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Before Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, he made Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, uh, which a lot of people know better as Mr. Deeds, the Adam Sandler remake. But he did Mr. Deeds Goes to Town with Gary Cooper, uh, that, that's probably how Mr. Smith Goes to Washington got its name because the earlier film had been so successful. And I thought about that later, too. He, Yeah, Hoppity doesn't really go to town, so they obviously just wanted to ha- have a nod towards the Mr. Deeds uh, story. And okay. when they changed the title, they still kept the Goes to Town in it. They changed it to Hoppity Goes to Town, which was a little bit better because, uh, like you say, they don't call Hoppity Mr. Bug. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they they, they made that nod, and uh, now nobody gets it because the only people who knows about uh, – knows about – the only people who know about Mr. Deeds Goes to Town know it as Mr. Deeds, and they don't even know about the Goes to Town part, so it makes no sense whatsoever – and I find that extremely offensive. That well, almost well, he, made me turn the movie off. Adam Sandler had already gone overboard, so he didn't want to go anywhere anymore. He just no. wanted to be Mr. Deeds. No, they somebody somebody suggested that it was uh, that it be Mr. Deeds goes overboard, but no, that would it, it's not going to work. Folks were making a reference to going overboard, Mr. Adam Sandler's first movie, Mr. And Adam Sandler. Now, what? You called him Mr. Adam Sandler, which I thought was very nice and proper for Opera Man. Yes, I think so. Adam Sandler was Opera Man. It was a character he played. Your extensive knowledge of Adam Sandler movies is concerning me. I know you make you make fun of my superhero movies and you look at you over there. 
Adam Sandler movie. Hey, no just or... because I know about it doesn't mean I like it. Mm-hmm. Why do you guys want this show to last forever? I just don't understand it. I'm trying Not to forever, just until Mr. Bug makes it to town. <laughs> okay. Well, Mr. Bug has made it to town and he's not going to leave. So we can, we can move on from this film, which we all pardon and all liked, I think. Okay. So when the three of us return, uh, we'll be reviewing Roaring Roads from 1935, featuring two or three young veterans from the Our Gang comedies. Until then, I'm Steven Sperling. I'm Aaron Paris. And I'm Josh Sperling. Goodbye, Bugs. Jumpin' Buttercups. Oh, gee weeds. Oh gosh, yeah, we didn't we didn't criticize the G's weeds. We really should have. <laughs> Let's all say it together, shall we? Three, two, G's, G's weeds. weeds. Very nice.